Welcome to The Sale Ring, a podcast dedicated to real estate brokers, agents, and America's top auctioneers that keep the markets moving. Join your hosts, Sean and Trina, as they talk with most successful realtors, marketing and technology experts, investors, and influencers. This show is devoted to all industry professionals looking to up their game and stay up to date. Welcome to The Sale Ring. So, Trina, how are you doing? I'm doing wonderful. How about yourself? I'm great. I'm excited about this show today. We've got uh, got our good friend Darby Walton that's going to be yes, joining sir. us in just a minute or so in the studio. How yeah. was, uh, how was? I hate to say the weekend. We're halfway through the week right now. <laughs> Last what's going on? weekend was great. It was fun. I, it was great. Um, I had a, we went to a surprise birthday party. A good friend of mine just turned 40. How you know you're getting old is when all your friends start turning 40. The big 4-0. Yeah. I still got a few years off now, but um, I'm dreading that day. So. There's a bunch of listeners that would love to be the big four zero yeah, again. I understand that. Get there's, a little age on them. There's a bunch of thirty year olds that would love to be the big two zero again as well. So it's all perspective. Yeah, I'm getting the high sign. We may have Darby on uh, online with us here in Studio B. Darby, uh, are you with us? Yes, sir. Hi, Sean. Hi, Trina. Hey. Hey, how are you, man? Doing good. Doing good. Awesome. Well, let's do a brief introduction just so our listeners know who we're talking to. Mr. Darby Walton is a longtime friend of uh, of the show here, of Trina and I. Uh, his family has been in the auction business for how long, Darby? Since 1951. I believe it's 68 years. My 68 right. years. 68 years in the auction business. They're from Upper Sandusky, Ohio. And uh, we got a great show. We're going to talk about the professional auction business hitting on a few of the vertical markets that uh, these guys are really, really strong into agriculture. Lots of farm and ranch land, a lot of equipment sales, and they're also in the purebred livestock business and the show cattle business. So we, we've got kind of a fun show to, we'll touch on several things during this show. But Darby, we appreciate you joining us. How, uh, before we start and get too far into this, how's your folks, Doug and, and Eileen, how Good. are they doing? Oh, they're doing great. We're, uh, we're staying busy here at the office. Uh, Dad's actually out running the combine and uh, right now taking off some corn. Uh, he's out in the field right now, and he was gracious enough to uh, let me step away and talk to you guys for a little bit. But other than that, so he's doing that, and Eileen's up at the office right now working on some uh, some other sales we got coming up here this winter. So, yeah, they're, they're doing great, and they're staying pretty dang busy. How's the auction year up there, the company and, and the market? How's, how's it doing this year? Good. Good. I think our uh, last time we checked, our office was on track to crest over 100 auctions for the year. Wow. Um, those were both uh, online and on-site, I guess, more predominantly on the on-site auction side of things. But yeah, other than that, I mean, we've, I guess, farm grounds moving. We just sold a farm two weeks ago, 232 acres, and averaged the whole farm just shy of 8,600 uh, an acre. So for around wow. here, that is that is really, really good money. So uh, we're still seeing pretty strong prices here on the ag side of things here in uh, our part of Ohio. So yeah, things are things are looking really good this year for us. And that is eight thousand six hundred dollars per acre was the average price on that cropland. Yes, sir. Yes, that's sir. a strong Across price. Two hundred thirty-two acres, and that was all tillable. Wow. That's a that's a good day's work out there. That's a nice auction. Mm-hmm. It was. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. We'd uh, we'd love to have have a couple of those a week. Would be great. Yeah, for everybody. Uh, yes. Yeah. How long does it take, just out of curiosity, how long does it take to set a sale like that up 
and uh, to actually conduct the auction and then after the auction to close that real estate? How long does that normally take? Mm -hmm. So that sale was kind of a little different one. Uh, That one, we did actually have the equipment auction as well. So we sold about probably 30 to 40 bigger pieces of equipment for that family as well as some other odds and ends. So uh, that for that equipment sale that we did, which would have been the day before the land sale, let's see, we probably had six weeks, I guess, prior to the auction. We were out picturing, getting a catalog ready and everything. And then about probably two weeks before the sale is when we actually kind of set things up. Sometimes the owners don't mind if, you know, we'll have the machines and equipment sitting outside just so, because, I mean, it seems like up in our area, if there's an auction coming soon, it seems like there's quite a few cars that'll just kind of drive through the property where the sale might be just to kind of see if they can preview items even before we might have an actual open house or inspection date actually listed. So, uh, so you know, we'll kind of set those machines uh, two weeks to one week out ahead of time of the sale. So, yeah, I mean, I guess I'd say there's probably about six weeks lead time for an equipment sale that we like to do just to make sure all of our uh, T's are crossed and I's are dotted, you know, for a sale like that. And then as for the land sale, I like to drone the property probably about five, six weeks ahead of time as well. So then you have to, you know, get signs created. We'll put signs up. Uh, Our minimum is four weeks ahead of the sale date to put signs out. And then other than that, you know, hold a few inspection dates between two weeks to one week ahead of the sale. Like I said, just kind of have some inspection dates. And then sale day, I guess for that equipment sale, we were done in three hours. Um, they did have quite a few smaller lots too. And then, uh, the land sale, we were done in about two hours, had a great turnout for 232 acres. We had about 95 to a hundred people there. Uh, that was kind of our head count. And then I, for a closing date for that size, size of a transaction, just kind of depends on who's paying cash. Some of those farmers did pay cash. So we've actually closed on two or three of those different parcels that were offered at that sale. I believe one person was financing. So usually when you run into financing here in our part of Ohio, you're going to be looking for like a 45-day close. Seen some go as far as 105 to 110, but that's pretty uncommon. Usually you'll run into those when you have some issues. But yeah, I mean, here in Ohio, like I said, 45 days is kind of the magical number. We're not even really seeing any 30-day closes anymore, even for the residential side of things when we get into that market too. But uh, yeah, so 45 is kind of our strong number that that we pretty much recommend for any transaction here recently. Don't oh, go ahead, Trina. I said that's a lot of moving parts is all I was going to say. Yeah. Equipment auctions and multi-par auctions all together. And yeah. Sounds like on the real estate, you've got about six weeks or so lead time, conduct the auction and then 45 days to close. And I, I assume just, you know, what I know about the auction business, that's pretty stereotypical. So it's uh, it's consistent in that region of Ohio with other parts of the uh, the farm markets across the U.S. Tell your friends you get your information on the Sale Ring Podcast Show. Let's talk about equipment auctions just a little bit. I caught a brochure that came through where you were selling some antique Oliver tractors, fully restored Oliver tractors. Those are pretty cool, older tractors and, and a very attractive brochure that you put out. How was that sale? So that sale actually did really, really well uh, out of the, I believe there were 17 tractors and that included, that was 15 ones that ran. And then we also had two frames, I guess one was a pulling tractor frame and then one was just another parts tractor. So we had about 15 that actually ran, but that sale was awesome. I mean, there were some really, really great tractors there and you know, it's not every day you get to see a small 
I guess a smaller, but a very wholesome collection that that gentleman had. And I never even knew it. Mr. Homan is actually his name, Floyd Homan. He lives just about three miles down the road from me. And, you know, I've lived here on our farm my whole life. And I mean, dad's been even around or he's been around even longer than I have. And we never even knew about this little Oliver collection that was just a couple miles down the road, but it was a great, great sale. I had a really good turnout. You know, I've seen that before in the auction industry. Uh, there are gentlemen that I knew back in Western Oklahoma that had very uh, unique and sometimes large antique tractor collections where they had restored them. I've known those guys my whole life and just never knew that that was a hobby or an interest of theirs. They kept it pretty much on the farm and they would stay out there in their barn and rebuild them and maybe go to shows that I wasn't going to. And uh, one day you, you start talking to them and they've got 30 antique tractors out there in barns. And I, that's, it's kind of interesting that's happening around you and you have no knowledge of it. Mm-hmm. So people really collect tractors and like refurbish them and things like that, like they do old cars? I've mm-hmm. never heard of that. That's oh, yeah. interesting. Yeah. Is it big in that part of Ohio? I would like to say that it is. Uh, I'm still, I guess I'm the farthest part of the Corn Belt here in my part of Ohio, being up in the northwest corner. And it seems like there's, a, I guess, the larger grain farmers, well, even the smaller to mid-sized ones, I guess. It seems like there are quite a few tractor collections. It seems like in my area, John Deere is going to be the most popular, which mm-hmm. kind of more particular to that brand, too, is... Uh, I used to work for a John Deere equipment dealer a few, actually just a few months ago. But, uh, but yeah, I, I'd say they're actually pretty prominent here around the state. I don't know about other states, but, you know, and like I said before, there could be another smaller collection, you know, pretty close to me that I might not even know about. But, yeah, I'd say they're very common. I thought the brochure looked awesome. I studied it pretty hard. Was there a tractor in particular, even though you're a John Deere guy, was there an Oliver tractor that stood out? you in that sale that you really liked? I'd say that the one that stood out there was an Oliver 880 LP. Uh, The tractor was magnificent in the shape, a beautiful, beautiful tractor. It actually went down to North Carolina is where it sold. Uh, It brought a hammer price of 7,500, I believe was what it was. But yeah, so it went back down south. So the, the gentleman that actually bought it, he used to live in our area about 30 years ago moved down to North Carolina for his job and took his whole family down there with him. They actually did some research, and that ADLP tractor was actually his great-grandfather's. Oh, very so cool. it was pretty cool to, to actually see him come back tractor? up north that's to cool. get his great-grandfather's tractor that he had once owned at one point. I think that's cool that he was able to track that yeah, and sure, follow it sure. and find it restored in another guy's barn. That's pretty cool. Yeah. You keep saying that, you keep referring that as LP. I assume that that is a propane tractor. It's it's propane fuel. Yep, liquid propane. Yes, sir. Mm, yeah, very cool. Those Oliver tractors, you know, they got pretty um, ornamental, if you will. Uh, some of those that um, they're styled, or or they had all of the cowling and the shrouding around them to work in orchards, and you know, they got kind of low profile, almost a uh, trying to think of uh, almost kind of like a. Uh, an extraterrestrial-looking tractor, you know, back in the 50s and 60s. An extraterrestrial kind of <laughs> trying tractor. To, trying to think of the right <laughs> word for that. Only on a sale ring, folks. Yeah, they, but it, it had a kind of a space-age look to it back then. Go. They were really cool-looking. Have you seen those, yeah. Darby? You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we actually kind of had one. Um, I don't remember the years on all these tractors. I know they're uh, they're just a little bit older than I am. 
but uh, I know there was one from the early 1930s, and you know it had like the mounted cultivators right on it. Had uh, it was actually a, a Hart Par Oliver, which actually predated the actual Oliver manufacturer, because those two companies, I believe, listening to uh, to Floyd Homan talk about the history of Oliver's when we went and wrote the sale up. But yeah, I mean, it was it was pretty cool to see these very odd looking tractors compared to like today's, you know, John Deere's or Case tractors you might see. Sean's kind of right. They look way, way different than anything, you know, even comparable to today's world. They used to have the big fenders that went all the way down over the wheels and they, they came out to a point, kind of a bullet shaped fender like um, the old Oliver 66 or Oliver 77 orchard tractors. Those things were just um, kind of ahead of their time, if you will. I don't know. They just look space age. Back I can't then. even imagine what you're talking about. Like fenders coming down over the wheels on a tractor. Yeah. Big okay. old fenders on the back yeah. wheels and, and they cover them. Yeah. Up they go and like it's, all it's the way from the rear ornamental all the way out to the front. It makes it look like a, like it, it would, I guess it would look kind of aerodynamic. Mm. And uh, I guess thinking about it, we actually sold one. It wasn't an Oliver. It was actually a case orchard. I can't remember the model number. I think it was a special O was actually what it was called. The model number. We actually sold one last fall. Oh. I think it, it went to Indiana. But yeah, I mean, they're, they're very neat looking tractors. Yeah, he just pulled up, sorry, he just pulled up some pictures and not what I was even trying to envision. I'm not sure where my head was going with that, but that wasn't it. But that those are pretty neat looking. They look like old 20s cars. Like Yeah, yeah, yeah. very cool. That is a unique opportunity for an auctioneer, especially a young auctioneer, when he gets the chance to sell a collection uh, that um, some of these guys have worked on these for 30, 40 years, putting these tractors back together. And, you know, that's that's a big deal for them. They're very passionate about it. And, and the exposure that we get as auctioneers is sometimes uh, it's that's the treasure out of it. To me, can be even more exciting than the commission a lot of times off the sale is just the ability to to sell and to, and to touch and feel and learn about things like that. I've always appreciated that about the auction business. The Sale Ring, online at www.thesalering.com. So Darby, tell me a little bit about your equipment background while we're talking about equipment. You've uh, you were kind of raised around that and have a history in it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, Dad and I, we farm about 650 to 700 acres. Um, in our area, we're actually considered still one of the smaller farmers in our area, but I grew up on a little John Deere tractor uh, getting to, to rake hay and, you know, learn other small odds and ends around the farm on a John Deere 4020. Um, but yeah, right after I graduated from Ohio State in 2016, I actually went to work for a John Deere dealer. Kind of wasn't really looking for a job right away out of college. I really wanted to go full-time with my dad in the auction business, but, you know, I was kind of told not just by him, but by several other close family members to maybe work away from the family business before you come in. And, you know, it was, it was a great idea that I did do that, but I had a great time at a local John Deere dealer. Uh, the company name is actually Finley Implement Company. They have about eight stores here in our corner of Ohio. And I was, uh, you know, blessed with the opportunity to work at their Tiffin Ag and Turf location in Tiffin, Ohio for about two and a half years, you know, and I worked there as a salesman, sold several Several pieces ranging from, you know, a small lawnmower to uh, to actually a S790, which was actually the biggest combine John Deere actually currently makes. Uh, that was probably my, my favorite thing that I ever sold. So I uh, sold that, you know, the biggest combine that they make, along with a 45-foot draper head and a 16-row corn head. So, you know, that was probably my biggest sale and one of my 
definitely one of my most uh, memorable packages of me, you know, being able to sell at John Deere. So yeah, yeah that's, that that's kind of my uh, background in the equipment world. I also work for a company called Ritchie Brothers. I'm mm, sure that's, yeah. uh, you know, no stranger to the auction business. For those of you listening here on the sale ring, I uh, contract ringman with those guys. I cover about nine or ten different sale sites uh, east of the Mississippi. Every once in a while, I get to uh, get to cross that river and uh, some other states out west. But, yeah, so, you know, I've kind of grown up around equipment, and uh, especially on the ag side, and, you know, just had a lot of really great opportunities to get more involved with the equipment industry year after year. Outstanding. Outstanding. Well, that's a diverse background. You've achieved um, some high marks, and that's why we appreciated you being on the show with us here and talking about the equipment. What we're going to do right now is slip away, hear from our sponsors. We'll be back in just a few minutes with more from Darby Walt. Are you looking for heavy equipment but unsure where to start? Then you need to check out AuctionTime.com. Buying great equipment has never been easier than bidding online at AuctionTime.com. What are you waiting for? Online auctions are closing every Wednesday, so register and start bidding today. AuctionTime.com, the way to buy heavy equipment. Crude oil, natural gas, coal. Buying and selling minerals is a breeze when you have the right energy professionals on your team. Mineralmarketing.com is a leading resource for America's mineral owners. Whether you're wanting to lease or sell your mineral rights, Mineral Marketing has you covered. Mineralmarketing.com, the oil and gas marketplace. Thinking about selling a real estate investment but worried about the taxes you'll have to pay? Property owners just like you have solved their tax issue with a Starker Services 1031 exchange. One call could save you a fortune in taxes. Call Starker Services today at 800-332-1031 or visit online at www.starker.com and keep the tax dollars working for you. Ever dream of owning a country estate, historic home, or lakefront property? Log on to unitedcountry.com. Would you like to retire to a home built on breathtaking acreage in the mountains? Unitedcountry.com. Ever dream of your own private hunting preserve? UnitedCountry.com. Over 30,000 farm, recreational, and lifestyle properties are just a click away, helping people find their American dream for over 90 years. We will help you find yours. Log on now to UnitedCountry.com and find your freedom. And we're back with Darby Walton in the studio talking about equipment. Here's where I'd like to switch gears, though, is I understand you just uh, graduated in the last few years from the PRI, the Professional Ringman's Institute. Oh, yeah. Brian Rigby, huh? Brian Rigby. Oh, yeah. How was that school? I had a great time at it. I actually met a few guys that I still talk to from there. And actually, somebody from that I went to auction school with actually ended up out there at the same time I did, too. So that was pretty interesting. But yeah, it was a it was a great. I believe it was three days. Like you said, Sean, it's been a couple years since I went, but it was awesome. It was great. Where was that school held at, Darby? So the one that I went to was in Springfield, Missouri. That was uh, the training I went to, and I believe it was in February of fourteen. They wow. do so by saying it that way. I assume they do this in other locations. Yes. Yep. Brian and his team they uh, they kind of travel around to different states. I uh, kind of believe they have it on a rotation now, but yeah. I've seen them here in Kansas City. We've worked with them before yeah. uh, here in Kansas City and had other auctioneers that have been on the show or affiliated with us that uh, have been members or instructors at PRI. 
what a great school. So let's talk about that a little bit and the differences between being an auctioneer and being a professional ringman. Because you're a young man, you're in the business, in the family business. I believe your granddad started that firm, correct? Yes. Yes. He started it in 1951. So your granddad started it, your dad took over the firm, you're now moving into the firm. Why PRI? Why a professional ringman school versus being an auctioneer? Or does it complement you to have both of those skill sets? Do you guys switch off in, in the business of auctioning and working the ring and back and forth? I mean... Tell us a little bit about your decision to go to that. Yeah, for sure. So when I went, I was actually still in college. I was actually a sophomore at Ohio State in uh, 2014. So kind of my approach to getting more involved in the auction industry, both my grandpa as well as my dad kind of told me, you know, that the best way to learn the ropes is to start at the ringman spot and then work to get behind the microphone. Took that approach into getting more time, you know, being an auctioneer is you know, you got to kind of be the guy in the trenches. You got to do all the behind the scenes work. And that's kind of what I've been taught. So what I wanted to do, I wanted to go to PRI, wanted to learn some, uh, you know, kind of learn the tools of the trade, as you could say, uh, learn like the better communication skills with the auctioneer and, you know, just some other odds and ends that, uh, that Brian and his team taught us. So I also wanted that to kind of be on my resume that you could say, I guess right when I got done with PRI, what I did was I'm a big proponent for the livestock industry. I, I, I love livestock sales. I love going to cattle sales and hog sales. And that's where I kind of wanted my career to go to. I, I want to be very involved in the ag industry, especially in the livestock side. So that's why one of the reasons I kind of went to PRI was so that I could kind of get in on these livestock sales, you know, to kind of learn more about how they worked like I said before, learn kind of the tools of the trade. So that's kind of one, you know, one of the reasons I went to PRI. Is PRI, is that exclusive to livestock? You know, when they're, they're teaching you to work the ring, is it specific to livestock auctions? So PRI covers quite a few different industries. I know they cover mm-hmm. livestock, they cover household sales, automobile sales, you know, they cover just about every kind of different type of auction that you can think of, they will go over in class and, and they'll actually do live scenarios with you as well. Hmm. That's nice. So it covers a range of things, not just livestock, but automobiles, real estate sales, personal property auctions. It's going to teach you to work the ring at a diverse background or a diverse setting in, in auctions. Yes. Yep. All of those. Yeah. Very cool. Do you enjoy being an auctioneer more or working the ring, professional bid spotting? Which one of those two is more appealing to you? <laughs> well, um, I guess when I was younger, you know, working, working the ring was great, but I mean, there's nothing, and I'm sure Sean, you can attest to this too. You know, there's probably nothing that feels quite as good as when you're behind a microphone, just kind of having control of the crowd and, you know, being able to just, you know, sound good behind a microphone and, I guess the other side of things is helping people too, whether it's a benefit or, you know, selling somebody's farm equipment that they worked their whole life to build their, you know, whole lineup of. I guess I'd say nothing really feels as great as being behind the microphone, even though I do love being a ringman too. But yeah, I'd say, you know, being an auctioneer is definitely my, my, my favorite thing. Do you practice quite a bit? Yep. Every single day, you know, practice makes perfect. Uh, I, I say that without, you know, trying to say that, that I'm perfect myself, but, you know, I practice every single day. I try to do about an hour to an hour and a half every day. Wow. Um, yeah. Wow. Do you do the whole Betty Botter trick or what do you do to practice? <laughs> yeah. Betty Botter, 
yeah, I could do that tongue twister, Tommy Atatomus, <laughs> a big black bug, a bit of a big black bear. That's one my dad taught me that he learned back in the 80s at auction school. Oh, yeah, there's quite a few of them. You're listening to the Sale Ring Podcast, taking real estate and auction to the next level. You know, I found online here, I found a video Ooh. of, uh, and this says the 2014. Well, good morning, ladies and so gentlemen. We're going to run this real quick. I'm going to back that up here. This is the 2014 what? This is the 2014 International Junior Auctioneer Championship. First runner up, Mr. Darby J. Walton. Let's uh, Let's give it a listen. Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to go ahead and start it. How many dollars on it? Hey, what a bit here. I'm going to bid 20. Yeah, I'm going to do 20. You're to back it up on 20, 20, 25. And find that enough. Now 10. You're to back it up on 10. Down 50. Now 20. 15. Now 20. We're to get 20. Down 5. You're to back it up on 25. Now 30. 25, 30. Now 5. You're to back it up on 35. 35. Now 40. You're to back it up on 40. I'm to 35, 40. Now 5. I'm to 40. Now 5. You're to back it up on 45. One more time. 45, 50. I'm to 45. Now 50. 45. You're to back it up on 50. 45. Down 50. You're to back it up on 50. One more time. 45, 50. Listen to that guy. Yeah. Go, would you? How long ago was that? That was five years ago. Wow. And I will note, I do not have even close to that style of chant anymore. Oh, <laughs> yeah. really? You changed it? <laughs> All right. That's that was, how you get that set was five, up. Five long years ago, uh, I was actually just, I think I was just at one year out of auction school at that point when I did that contest. That's actually not bad, though, for a year out. So uh -huh. that's how you get set up by saying that is not my style of chant anymore. Let's hear you sell that same ball machine right now on the phone. Just give it a go real quick, and let's see uh, let's see what it sounds like today. Yeah, on the uh, the skilled lightning bolt pitching machine that pitches balls up to twenty five miles an hour to make for a great afternoon with your sons, your daughters practicing batting. Ladies and gentlemen, are nine here. All nine, tell me today when you get twenty five. Yep, here down twenty five. When you get twenty five, you're done. You're done twenty five. You're done five. Down ten. I'm gonna be in five. You're done ten. You're done ten. Fifteen. Fifteen. Twenty. I'm gonna be in twenty. You're done five. You're done twenty five. You're done thirty. I'm gonna be in thirty. You're done five. You're done thirty. Done five. Thirty five. Forty. Done five. Forty five. Fifty. I'm forty five. You're done fifty. Down five. Down fifty. You're done five. Fifty. Five. I. Nope. Fifty dollars. Nicely done, my yes. friend. Nicely done. So you That is quite a difference too in the in, in the sound. That's awesome. In five years you've came a long ways. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, thanks. That's awesome. That's awesome. I love those clips. You know, we get people on uh, on the show and then you can find about anything on the internet. You can find videos and sometimes that history file on there. It can be a little bit embarrassing. <laughs> yeah. But uh, needless, say, don't, don't needless Google to say, me, please. you came out of the gate doing well, and, and uh, you, you've got a fine chant today. The livestock and purebred sales, I think you said you were going to a sale tomorrow. You've got oh. a sale that you're going to go to. Yeah. Actually, just going to go watch some friends that I've actually worked for. Uh, it'd be Monty and Cody Lauterman have a pretty nice uh, Angus dispersal sale tomorrow in uh I believe it's Tremont, Illinois, is how you say it, or Tremont. I'm actually going to go watch that. They're dispersing the top-line Angus operation. They're selling all their equipment, trucks, and uh, as well as all the cattle. So, yeah, I actually made the decision yesterday that I'm going to make a quick impromptu trip to Illinois and take a trailer with me, see if I can get anything bought, and then come back to Ohio Friday, uh, late Friday night, because we got got quite a big sale on Saturday morning. Oh. How far away is the drive for you tomorrow? Six and a half. Oh, my. Well, make sure and tell Monty Louderman that uh, Sean Terrell said hello to him. Monty's been a good friend for a long time and good family, good reputation in the cattle business. You'll have a great time at their sale. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure.
great family. I've actually actually been very fortunate enough to actually work with both Monty and Cody um, at a few Hereford sales up in uh, Wisconsin here uh, just a couple of years ago. So yeah, great, great guys, great guys. Darby, you uh, you talked a little bit about cattle. I'll tell you what, we're going to slip away. We're going to hear from our sponsors real quick. And when we come back, I want to talk to you a little bit more about purebred cattle and uh, the show ring out there and showing cattle. So we'll be back in just a few minutes. Ever dream of owning a country estate, historic home, or lakefront property? Log on to unitedcountry.com. Would you like to retire to a home built on breathtaking acreage in the mountains? Unitedcountry.com. Ever dream of your own private hunting preserve? unitedcountry.com over 30,000 farm recreational and lifestyle properties are just a click away helping people find their american dream for over 90 years we will help you find yours log on now to unitedcountry.com and find your freedom thinking about selling a real estate investment but worried about the taxes you'll have to pay Property owners just like you have solved their tax issue with a Starker Services 1031 exchange. One call could save you a fortune in taxes. Call Starker Services today at 800-332-1031 or visit online at www.starker.com and keep the tax dollars working for you. Are you looking for heavy equipment but unsure where to start? Then you need to check out AuctionTime.com. Buying great equipment has never been easier than bidding online at AuctionTime.com. What are you waiting for? Online auctions are closing every Wednesday. So register and start bidding today. AuctionTime.com. The way to buy heavy equipment. Crude oil, natural gas, coal. Buying and selling minerals is a breeze when you have the right energy professionals on your team. Mineralmarketing.com is a leading resource for America's mineral owners. Whether you're wanting to lease or sell your mineral rights, Mineral Marketing has you covered. Mineralmarketing.com, the oil and gas marketplace. And we're back with Darby Walton. We were talking on the break about purebred livestock the type of cattle that the Walton family is into is um, what? What breed of cattle are you into, Darby? Yeah, so uh, so my family, we've got three, um, I guess two would be considered breeds. We are predominantly an Angus and Simmental operation. Um, and then I guess the third, I guess I wouldn't call it a breed. It'd be more or less a term, but club calves. I do have uh, just a few cows that we do raise to uh, to produce some like show steers or show heifers for uh, for some kids for like the local county fairs. How long have you been doing that? I'm going to assume since you were a kid, if you grew up like I did in 4-H and then FFA, you've been doing that since uh, fourth grade. But uh, you tell me. Yeah, yeah. So just kind of like what you said, been doing that my whole life. Showed my first cow when I believe I was seven or eight, and then I know dad. You know, they actually just had only Angus when he was growing up. So uh, we're actually a, I believe I'd be a sixth or seventh generation Angus breeder. I mean, we don't have any of those same genetics now, of course, from that that, that long ago. But yeah, we've we've been longtime Angus breeders here at our operation. You know, that would be, there's some insight for our listeners. Imagine when you were seven years old, having a halter and a short lead rope on a thousand pound steer standing next to you, and you're prodding it with a stick, trying to get its feet all in line and get its head up. And you're controlling an animal that's that large and you're only seven years old. That's a little intimidating when you're a kid. 
Let me tell you that I have oh, a yeah. five-year-old at my house, and I would not even trust him with the stick in his hand, <laughs> let alone a steer next to him. So, great for you. <laughs> I wouldn't trust him with a stick in his hand. <laughs> I wouldn't. <laughs> That's good. Did you show anything when you were young or you were growing up in, in the ag industry in school, county fairs, you know, whatever, whatever. Did you show anything besides cattle? Like goats, maybe? Any goats in there? No, <laughs> no about goats. goats. Sorry, uh, Darby. <laughs> I actually showed hogs for uh, six oh, okay. or seven years as well. I showed them up through grade school and then uh, just about high school. I just, I kind of just wanted to focus on cattle. Yeah. Very cool. Well, you've done well and your family's done well in that industry. I know you guys travel. Uh, you've been down into Oklahoma at uh, some production sales or, or show stock sales down there. And uh, it, you're not afraid to drive a little ways to get good stock uh, whenever you're looking for show animals. So, mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. We make the trek to Oklahoma to uh, Griswold Cattle Company uh, once a year to their, uh, they call it the classic sale this year. It's December 20th and 21st. And I'm actually a, uh, a distributor for some of their genetics up here in my neck of the woods in Ohio and uh, southern part of Michigan, as well as the uh, the eastern part of Indiana. Wow. Your company had an auctioneer or an agent in there that was um, in the show animal business that started selling some animals online. And I'm fishing around for his name right now. I should have known that before the show. Yeah, Roger. Who's that? Yep. Roger. Roger Hunker. Yeah. Roger Hunker. That's it. Yeah. How's he doing? Roger's doing good. I believe he was kind of like the pioneer of the whole livestock online auction platform. He actually started breedersworld.com. They were, I believe they were the first website or first online platform to offer uh, livestock sales. And I believe he started in 2008. So his company, you know, they kind of led the way on the, on the whole thing, you know, and Breeders World, it's a great website. We've actually done a sale or two with them you know, my farm or my operation in uh, particular, but, you know, great people to work with. And, you know, Roger brings a lot of knowledge about the livestock industry to our firm. And I mean, he's, he's a great asset. Yeah. I've met Roger a few times and he seems like a great guy uh, to work with. And I I know that he spent a considerable amount of time on that platform. Uh, Well-known. I I know some people that um, they raise sheep, uh, show sheep or show lambs, and and they're in Oklahoma, and they're very familiar with Roger and his platform also. I wouldn't mind having some sheep or lambs also, Sean, in addition to goats. They could just hang out with the goats. Where would you put them? Nowhere right now. I can't have them right now. Have them in your backyard? Long-term goals. No, I can't. My yard's not big enough for that. Okay. Long-term goals here, Sean. We're looking towards the future. Well, I will tell you that hey, they I have know, miniature uh, sheep. I know a few I know. Uh, real estate agents out there, Trina, that could probably help you find You know property. someone I can talk to? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Spoken like a true realtor. Do you know someone that can, uh, you know, increase my paycheck as well? You know that person? <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I might have a couple ideas. Okay. Well, we'll have to have a conversation <laughs> after this call. Darby, do you have any auctions coming up that um, that are kind of notable right now in the state of, well, it doesn't have to be in the state of Ohio anywhere. Do you have any auctions that are coming up? I guess we are booked all the way through, uh, actually up until Griswold sale. We, uh, I guess that's the only day left that's open in uh, December. But yeah, from now until December, we're booked every weekend and have maybe one sale during the week, about every second or third week between now and then. But uh 
I guess not so much not I guess notable sales, but we do have quite a few uh, land sales coming up. I guess we have a really big sale, like I said, in two days for the Rozier family. One of Dad's good friends, uh, Denny Rozier, that passed away, I believe, last year. His wife is uh, just kind of liquidating the rest of his tools and uh, some other odds and ends. But you know, we have that sale on Saturday, and the Rozier name was a was a very large name in Tiffin, Ohio, which is that's where we're having the sale. Denny, I guess they owned a lot of rentals. They actually had a very, very well-known meat and deli business inside of a gas station that, you know, everybody went to and they had like soft serve ice cream. So, I mean, we have that sale coming up, kind of a local, I guess, notable sale. Other than that, like I said, just a lot of real estate coming up and uh, some other uh, small, um, older farm equipment sales as well. Very good. Well, your company's busy. You've been good. Uh been good stewards up there. The Walton family has in the auction industry for three generations now. And I heard through the grapevine that uh, you were thinking of throwing your hat in the ring oh. for the Ohio uh, Auctioneers Association's board of directors. Is that accurate? Yes. Yes. Wow. Have you announced that yet? Um, I guess when I'm talking to you right now when we're recording this, no, I haven't. But by the time the <laughs> podcast is out, I for sure will have. Nice. Well, you heard it first on the sale ring, right? Darby Walton for uh, the board of directors for the Ohio Auctioneers Association. Yeah. Um, you would be a great candidate for that. You know, you've got a lot of passion about the industry. They need younger uh, generation that's in there on the board that uh, offers some new thought. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I'm excited that you're willing to participate in that. That's one of the things that these associations are going to need are willing participants from this next generation, the younger generation, that are willing to slow down long enough to try to help further those organizations. So uh, my, my compliments to you for your willingness to do that. Well, thank you. Thank yeah, you. and good luck. Good luck in the race. Is there, a, is there a lot of competition? Do you have a lot of people running against you? or So far, I haven't seen any other names announced, whether it was on social media or the uh, association's website. So I haven't been paying too much attention to that. But as far as I know, I don't believe I've seen any other announcements for it. Even better. When's the deadline? The deadline is October 31st, which I believe is the middle of next week. Yeah. Yep. We're seven days uh, away. I guess that's the deadline to turn in everything and also make it public. Huh. Very good. Well, you've got our support behind yeah. you. I know we're not voting members of the Ohio uh, Association, but we we definitely welcome uh, you know welcome the opportunity to support you in that because you're a, you're a fine guy, good steward of the auction business, and I I think you'd be an asset to that association. I have been to the Ohio Auctioneers Association's meetings and convention multiple times, and they're a very serious organization. They're one of the larger auctioneers associations in uh, the United States. Ohio has a strong presence out there in, in the auction business. So uh, again, I commend you for doing that. Well, thank you. Well, Darby, this has been a wealth of information, my friend. It's always a pleasure to talk to you and to kind of catch up with you and your family. Make sure and tell uh, Doug and Eileen, uh, your parents out there, that we said um, hello yep. and uh We appreciate your time on the show today and and appreciate the insight about equipment, about purebred livestock and antique tractors and just all of the insight that you've offered. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you so much, Sean and Trina, for having me. Ladies and gentlemen, that's it for this episode. But uh, we look forward to visiting with you next time inside the sale ring. 
this episode has ended, but your journey to greatness continues. To access all resources and links mentioned in today's show, head over to www.thesailring.com now. That's www.thesailring.com.